Romans 8.13 reads, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Hello and welcome back to Think This Way. My name is Bryce. I'm one of the pastor elders here at Faith Bible Church. And today I have the great privilege of having with me someone many, if not all of you know. It is our brother Mark Wickersham. Wick, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thanks for having me. I thought we'd get started, which is the way I always start when we have someone on who's not always on here, with just getting a brief background on you, specifically how you came to know Christ and then how you ended up here at Faith Bible. Yeah, um, I have kind of maybe what people would think is an interesting story. Um, when I was four years old, my parents started to drop me off at the United Methodist Church in Avon, Indiana. Um, not because they're Christian, but they knew that this is a place where I could learn good morals. And my great-grandfather uh, was a district superintendent in the United Methodist Church. And started, um, so I went there every Sunday um, up until about second grade. And in second grade, we moved down to Brazil, South America. And we came back during my third grade year. And at that time, uh, I was influenced by my friends um, where church wasn't cool. Uh, But around 10th grade, I started going uh, back to church services with my grandparents and uh, a Methodist church in in a nearby town, Danville, up in central Indiana. And uh, that was actually as a result of a worksheet I, I took um, where I would rank my or rank various things such as law, love, uh, work, work ethic uh, in order, and I ranked religion last in importance and uh, but my two friends uh, good friends ranked it first so it just got me thinking so I started going back to to church I knew that I should go to church that well I believe in God and I had an intellectual belief that Jesus Christ was the son of God Um, so I would go to church sporadically um, for a number of years and I didn't become a true believer, though, until 26. And uh, that's when my first wife left me. And I had a, a Paul moment uh, on a Friday in August, year 2000, um, where I read a note on my kitchen island uh, where my first wife said she didn't want to be with me anymore. Um, so that night, new heart, I'm yelling at God, I'm screaming, I'm, tears are coming down my face like a waterfall, and I'm just telling him I'm his. So in the years prior to that, just the, those recent years, uh, 23, 24, 25, 26, um, I was teaching Sunday school, taking up the offering plate, uh, saying prayer out loud in front of the entire congregation, the pastor calling on me, um, buying cute little Christian books at the cute little Christian store, um, 
but I was not a believer. I just, uh, I was what I would call a cultural Christian, a worldly Christian, lukewarm Christian. Therefore, I was not a Christian. So um, that is how I came to know Christ. Um, as far as um, how I started coming here uh, to Faith Bible Church, um, I after soon after I became a, a Christian, I moved overseas. I moved to Korea. I sold my three acres of land, my Chevy Silverado, Silverado got rid of the dog, like a good country song, and moved to a city of half a million in Korea working for a Christian organization. And a year after that, I moved to China um, to work for another Christian organization, although, of course, it's not advertised as a Christian organization. Um, my wife, uh, who was my girlfriend at that time, had already been serving in China uh, with a different organization for a number of years. Well, um, we moved back to Indiana in 2016, and at that time, Megan had lived in China for 19 years, and I, had, I was in China for 13 years. But prior to moving back, I got on the Gospel Coalition a church directory, and I found Faith Bible Church. I wanted to go to a church uh, where um, they would have a high view of Scripture, uh, the sovereignty of God, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> Here I am. It is history. We so much appreciate having you and your whole family here at Faith Bible. And your proof for the more adventurous among us that you can be born in Indiana and go to South America and Asia. Yeah. I don't know if you ever plan to live in Europe or any of the other. I've been there, but haven't uh, yeah. a couple times, but <laughs> haven't moved there. So yeah. whatever God says. Whatever God says. My wife would really like to travel. And there's hope because, see, you've traveled quite a bit. But we're glad that God in his kindness has you here, honestly, in all the ways that you're serving here and at ECS and your family is beautiful to see. Well, I've got you on here today to talk about a book, actually. It's called The Mortification of Sin. And I looked at that title and I thought, who seems smart enough to know what mortification <laughs> means? No, <laughs> just kidding. But really, um, it's a challenging little book by John Owen. Today, we're basically just covering this book. I've titled today's podcast, Killing Sin. Of course, this quarter, we've been focused on personal holiness. And both this week and Lord willing, next week, we're just covering some significant little books about killing sin. This one's so significant, it just had to be included in our podcast. But like I said, it's called Of the Mortification of Sin in Believers. You can tell by the title, it's going to be a challenging work. It's by a Puritan named John Owen who is one of the greatest of all the Puritans who ever wrote. He was a dean, and then he was a vice chancellor over at Oxford before persecution picked up in England. And he wrote this on the basis of some sermons he had preached. This was published in 1656. If someone is looking to read this book themselves, of course, since it's that old, it's in the public domain, you can just Google it, you will find it. However, I found that the most for me at least, helpful edition of this work was put out in 2006 by Crossway. It's actually called Overcoming Sin and Temptation. 
overcoming sin and temptation. And it includes this treatise of the mortification of sin and believers and actually includes another one called of temptation. I think it's just those two. But it's uh, it's out it's by Crossway, one of the editors, Justin Taylor, forward by John Piper. But it has some footnotes that are very helpful. I think it might be slightly altered to make it easier to understand. It has the ordering of the book, which is really hard to follow in Owen. Because when Owen writes, he basically has this huge outline memorized in his brain. And then he just writes with the expectation you'll just follow that. <laughs> but none of us are as smart as Owen, and so we can't follow that. And so I appreciate they've taken it and outlined it in a really helpful way. But anyways, but that's the book, The Mortification of Sin and Believers. Mortification, don't be scared by the word. You can see mortician, mort, the idea of death in there. It is putting to death our sin. And that whole little book is just him doing an exposition of the verse I started with, Romans 8.13. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you mortify, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And he breaks his book down into three parts, the necessity, the nature, and the means of mortification. So we'd encourage anybody listening to give it a try, read it. It's hard going, but it's so worth it. But as an encouragement to read it, or maybe as an encouragement if you're not going to read it, <laughs> I thought we'd at least talk about it here briefly. So that's why I've got Wick on here. I'm going to just ask him some questions that relate to that book, and he's going to enlighten all of us. And I wanted to just start with that first part of the book, which is the necessity of mortification, in which John Owen is just making the argument that if we're Christians, we have to be killing our sin, hard as it may be. But it is really hard. And so that's the first question I want to ask you, Wick, is when we're talking about overcoming sin, we know it's hard. It, it takes a lot of work. If we're already forgiven in Christ, sins are cleared. I know I'm going to heaven. I know when I go to heaven, I'm going to be perfect and have no sin then. If all those things are true, why would I do the hard work of mortifying sin right now? Yeah, I think before I became a true believer, I wasn't asking myself this kind of question at all. Um, basically, I thought I was a believer, and then... I lived life however I wanted. I forgot about Jesus, and I'd pull out the Jesus card whenever I was in trouble or wanted something as if he's some genie in a lamp. And that's not what a Christian is about. Christianity is not simply you say a prayer and do whatever you want. We have a responsibility. We are to obey God's commands, and to put to death, to kill, to mortify sin. Um, and by doing that, now we can grow in Christ. Now we can, you know, become more and more like Christ. You know, that's the whole process of sanctification. We're becoming like Jesus, and that's a lifelong process. Um, and when you grow in Christ, you are also going to have more joy in life. 
I tell this to people often. Life is hard. Life is difficult. Life can be a struggle. But even during those hard times in life, whether it's in your marriage, someone has been stricken with a disease, you can actually still have joy. You can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. And those things, you know, take work through spiritual disciplines that we practice and we work at killing sin. So being a Christian, again, isn't something where we uh, say a a cute prayer in in third grade and just go about life and doing whatever we want. No, we we want to give God glory. Mm -hmm. It gives God glory uh, by working at killing sin, and through that, we can grow in Christ. This is off script, so do what you want with this, but just as you're saying that, you know, if you could see Wick as he shares that, you know, you're talking about killing sin. It's hard. It's painful. Some would consider the hard part of being a Christian, kill sin, the no, the don't, the fight, and you're smiling, Wick. <laughs> how can how can we bring together joy like this? Because like you said, if you took old Wick way back when, he would just scratch his head. They go, what in the world? Why are you excited? Why do you feel a joy about a subject like killing sin? Where is this coming from? Yeah, I mean, that is all Holy Spirit, right? That is, you know, not me. That is that is all Him. Um you know, a lot of times people want to praise me, want to put me on a pedestal, want to say great things about me, and the good you see in me, I mean, that's that's Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's his work in me. So I mean, and that's a lot of what Owen's saying in this these four chapters on the necessity of mortification is he has the famous line in there, be killing sin or it will be killing you be killing sin or it will be killing you. And what he means is uh, he talks about so much of the joy and the comfort, and I forget the other word he uses, the vigor, that's what he says, the life, the vigor, the comfort of our spiritual life does depend on killing sin. It's part of what produces, so it's not a fun process necessarily to kill sin, that's hard, but it does produce what we see in your life, Wick, and what we see in any good Christian's life as you're killing sin, which is so life-sapping, there is a joy that comes out of it. Now, the second section of this book, after necessity, begins in chapter 5, runs through 13, and it is the nature. So we've talked about how we need to mortify. The spiritual vitality of our life depends on it, and we just want to do it as Christians. But then we move over to the nature of mortification, It's a hard word, of course, but even the concept, what are we talking about mortifying sin? Here is kind of a compilation I've put that I believe is Owen's definition in chapter 6 of mortification. It's this, quote, well, I guess I can't quote this because I'm summarizing here. A habitual weakening of sin involving constant fighting and contending against sin resulting in frequent success against sin. I don't know. What do you think, Wick, of a definition like that? You think that's accurate? Um, I have to admit that when I first saw that question, you know, I I chuckled a little bit. 
Um, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm a puny little ant of eight billion. <laughs> I'm gonna disagree with Owen here. <laughs> and here's this uh, Puritan giant who's written uh, countless books. Um, but he's already in glory. He can't right. object. You know, but at the same time, I, I thought, well, here's a guy that, well, he, he's a a sinner like me that sees me as created in the image of God, and perhaps. Who knows? Maybe I could make a critique here that would be of some value, right? So, no, I, I love the definition. Uh, there's multiple uh, parts about this definition that I love uh, in defining mortification. Uh, one word that stands out is habitual. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we need to make it a habit of, um, you know, killing sin, uh, the weakening of sin. Uh, it's a lifestyle. It's not a sometime thing. It's an all-time thing. It's, a, it's something that we have to battle every day. So um, when you're mortifying sin, you know, sin uh, becomes less and less in your life, and Christ becomes more and more. I love the word fighting. Um, this, this is a battle. This is going to be a hard battle at times. Uh, but through the Spirit, um, we can fight sin. We can kill sin, mortify it. Um, and I love the positivity at the end, um, success, you know, frequent success, not occasional success, not a sometime success, a frequent success It is a growing success. Um, who doesn't want to hear that at the end of, uh, uh, the definition of, of, of a word that is, can be tough, right? That was probably the most surprising piece of the definition for me. Not that I disagree with it, but just mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought of it. Frequent success. Mm-hmm. Only because if you're not seeing some frequency of success in overcoming the sin, you're not mortifying it, you know? Right. I think sometimes we can give ourselves a false comfort of like, oh, I fell in this sin again and again and again and again and again, but I'm sure I'm learning something and I'm sure I'm growing. But in regard to that one sin, so for me, anxiety, I can struggle with anxiety. In regard to anxiety, if I'm just being anxious this week like I typically struggle with and that it's not, I'm not succeeding over, I'm not taking thoughts captive, I'm just being anxious. And I'm not mortifying it, you know? Right. I mean, that's just, a, it makes sense as a definition, but I think sometimes we want to avoid any question of frequency because we're afraid it will expose the fact that we might not be growing in that area. But that's an important part of that definition. Yes. Well, moving on to this final section. And really this last section of the book is the one that surprised me the most when I first read Mortification of Sin, which I think was in high school. I was very surprised by the fact that here's a book of about, what is it, 14 chapters. I had read 13 of the chapters. I get to the 14th. It's only a few pages long. And he starts that chapter by saying, now, everything I've said thus far is really just preliminary. (laughs) said, now we're ready to talk about how to actually mortify your sin. I thought, that is a lot of preliminary, that's not the whole (laughs) book of preliminary information and one chapter on how to actually do it. But I think he does that because he wants to put his full emphasis, not on a system, not on steps that we follow, but he wants to put the full emphasis on this, that if we really kill sin, it's only in this way, it is through faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
That's what he wants the concluding and really the whole thought of the book to be. Now, that seems oversimple, maybe. Someone who's really struggling with temptation. They say, how is that going to help me? So maybe help us understand that, Wick. Why does he end with such a simple strategy for us fighting our sin through the Holy Spirit, by, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through faith? Yeah, so this is what it's all about. Um, so again, uh, when I'm reading this book, I'm just blown away by what God has done in my life and how I missed the mark uh, for so many years. And I didn't have the Spirit. I didn't have the Spirit of Christ. I didn't have the Holy Spirit in me. And He's the key to killing sin. He's the key to mortifying it. Um, Through the Spirit, He gives me the words to pray. He gives me the words to tell others of my sin appropriately. Uh, having accountability. He gives me the courage to tell others what I'm struggling with. He convicts me of sin. He makes me feel rotten when I sin. That was missing in my life before. I didn't feel bad when I sinned. Uh, But the Holy Spirit not only uh, makes us feel bad for the bad that we are doing as we should, but he's giving me this hunger and thirst for Christ, you know, through the Spirit. This isn't of me, uh, giving me a hunger to be in his word, to know Christ, not just know about him, not just know facts about him, not to impress people, but I want to have this relationship with Christ uh, so I can make an impact for Christ and give God glory. So again, uh, the Spirit is where it's at. That's what it's all about. Mm. Well said. Owen would rejoice at your emphasis at the end of this podcast. <laughs> I think that was the point of his whole book, was that we'd come away with that exact sense, and, and in a sense, optimism, that we can't overcome sin because we have the power of the Holy Spirit. So thank you so much, Mark, for being on this podcast today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Someone listening to this, maybe in the past, didn't think much about mortifying sin. Well, they may have not have thought at all in those terms, but even in other terms, you may be listening to this and you just haven't thought about killing your sin. You've been focused on other things in life, or maybe you're at the point where you're despairing of overcoming sin in your life. You've tried, it's not working. Whatever you may have thought in the past, may God help us all by His grace now to think this way. This way.